It both sucks and blows. The problem with your topic, Scott, is that we're we're unaware of all of them. We haven't seen the many saints of Newark. Oh God, I never want. I literally never want to talk about that. Who's this we? Well, this is gold. We should be on this now. No, it better be because it's, it's good stuff. It's like Fort Knox in here. There's so much gold. Here we are. It's what are you waiting for? I can't. Okay, I, li- I don't know. I'm I literally don't know what mic. that was Hold about. On. I'm looking at my mic and it's now all orange, and I don't know why. It's just, it's just, it's just orange. Just, it's nothing. Okay, fine. Um. It's the end of September, and this is Glock Culture, and I'm John Podhoritz in New York, and Rob Long is also in New York. Hello, Rob. John, how are you? And in Washington, Jonah Goldberg. Hello, Jonah. Hello, John. Rob, you were noticing that Apple TV had to uh, release its actual subscriber numbers or the number of people who are watching Apple TV for some reason, and you are horrified. I'm not quite sure why, but I think we need to discuss something very important uh, ancillary to that, but please tell us what it is that you've discovered. Wait, what's ancillary to that? I don't... You'll see when I get to oh, it. I, oh, you have a plan. I see. Because <laughs> it was so abrupt. I was, He's I, like I, the Cylons I, in the first couple seasons of Battlestar Galactica. Wow, that's have a wow, plan. Wow, really started early. And then they didn't um, have a plan. He didn't. Uh, he didn't have a plan. He didn't have a dinner. Um, I uh, I just noticed that they said they have 20 million subscribers because they're you know like if you're a small if you're a small enterprise you don't have to you get to pay your craft guilds less and they have said they're a small enterprise and they said they have 20 million subscribers which seems quite low especially considering how much attention we pay to it or how much attention the sort of the media pays to it and it just fulfills my natural in- instinct which is that. Uh, 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 we're living in a Potemkin media village where people talk about TV shows that and declare them hits that no one's seen, and no one has any interest in seeing, and um, and uh, eventually this will all come cl- cl- crashing down because eventually, eventually when the tide is a is Warren Buffett says when the tide goes out you see who's been s- swimming naked. Eventually we're going to discover that no one's watching this these shows and that these valuations are way too high. Okay, so ten years ago, I think it was ten years ago, maybe it was a little longer. Uh, Mad Men was a media sensation. Yeah. I never liked Mad Men. It was on AMC. It was a media sensation. Never and it turned it. out that 850,000 people were watching it a week. Mm-hmm. At a time when actually even then 850,000 was an t- incredibly tiny number. Now it's sort of a larger, though still tiny number. Right. And it didn't matter. It didn't matter that nobody was watching Mad Men because the entire media culture had decided that Mad Men was a sensation and they loved it and they talked about it on social media. And so this has now been going on for a very long time that things that are not popular and that are not interesting and that are only interesting to a tiny number of people who work in a tiny number of zip codes uh, dominate the coverage. All right, here's here's the difference. Okay. because I take your point, but I think the difference is this: is that Mad the, the Mad Men hype eventually paid off for AMC because more and more people watched it. People did come to it later. But if you wanted to say want to watch, I don't know, pick out this like there was a double trucked article on the the morning show on Apple TV, and you kind of just thought, oh, you know, I want to watch that. The um, amount of contortions that you that maybe I'm just sound like an old man, but the amount of contortions you have to go through to watch the morning show. The amount of work you have to do, you gotta like turn on the Apple TV. You gotta sign. Yeah, I have to put in my my uh, my password uh, like 
twice a, twice a day if I want to watch TV. You know, at my age, the mind starts playing tricks. So, ah! And you, uh, what, what people do now is they go, oh, what's that show? It's the thing. Oh, Google it and find out what service it's on and see if we have that app on our Apple TV. And if we do, let's, if we don't, let's download that app and then we have to sign up for it. They make it so hard that I don't think it's ever going to break through. Whereas, whereas Mad Men is like, you sit, you turn the thing on, you turn on AMC, you're done. You flip around, you're done. This, you're never done. Well, that's an interesting, you have an interesting theory there. Here's my theory. My theory is uh, that not, no one is watching anything anymore. I mean, everyone is watching everything. There are a billion choices, and as a result, the the mass audience for anything is zero. The last giant show, the last two giant shows on television, as far as I can tell, that had mass followings that were beyond just the media culture and stuff were The Big Bang Theory, which mm-hmm. was on network, and Game of Thrones, which was on HBO. Yeah. Big Bang Theory was over three years ago. Game of Thrones, I think, was also over maybe three, four years ago. Nothing has taken their place. There is no such thing as a communal experience as we keep hearing. The communal experience programming that has dominated our lives since we were children, like the Academy Awards, no longer has an audience. Uh, Award shows no longer have audiences. Football games, sports events are down. Nobody is watching anything en masse anymore. And the media coverage of such phenomena has not altered. No, it's gotten still... more insanely, insanely over uh, hysterical. Right. So uh, because people who write about this stuff don't know how to cover it anymore because we have shifted into an entirely new kind of universe – they continue to cover it as though there are three networks and it's 1983 and there aren't three networks and it's not 1983 and the most popular I disagree with you there. Yeah, I, okay. Uh, I have a, I have a slightly <laughs> I, I think you ge- I think you're generally right but you're making one analytical error. And as just a point of personal privilege, I think I am the only person here who like remembers previous conversations we've had on this podcast. That's and correct. Li- Wait, like we've had the, this is not we've had previous conversations. <laughs> it's time for your Jello, Mister Long. Um, <laughs> your daughter's coming to visit you. Let's clean you up. Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> the uh, much like the will movie theater survive COVID, which we've talked about like thirty-five times. Yeah. Um, we talked about a lot of this phenomenon with, where we talked about girls on HBO, like eight hundred different times, and yeah. you could plug and play a lot of that. That said, I think. You're right that the press doesn't know how to generally write about this. It thinks that things are – it treats things as if they are national sensations when they are, in fact, bubble sensations. But I think that's the key. And Girls is a perfect example of it. Morning show, too, I think. Everybody that that media reporter or that entertainment reporter knows watched Girls. So they do think it's like a national sensation. And then then you eventually get this, like – what they think is, like, this amazingly – fascinating contrarian piece which says would you believe it if you actually looked at the numbers for girls only like 300,000 people are watching and they don't it's all Pauline Kale kind of thing right and and I think that same thing goes for things like the morning show I think that everyone at the New York Times is talking about the morning show you know or 
about, uh, you know, a lot of these sort of niche cultural things. And, and because all, even ma- the big mainstream media outlets, once you get off the news pages, they are micro-targeting their very sticky, smaller, narrow slices of lifestyle audience. And they're telling them what they want to hear. And the people who live in Park Slope think everybody watches girls. Uh, yeah, I, I would, I would, I would just, I would, I would agree with that mostly. But I would only add one little adjustment, which is that they think you should be watching this. Right? Yeah. Okay. They don't. If you say to them, "Look, only two hundred thousand people are watching this TV show. You just did a gigantic four-page, you know, our article on." Their response is, "Yeah, but more people should be." So we're going to pretend like a lot of this pretending, the pretending in the media now is so overwhelming that let's pretend that something is true and then make it true. It's so bizarre that I feel like what we, what we as as they describe the TV show on HBO that nobody was watching girls for, is exactly why they said don't wear a mask. Or it was not an, a leak in Wuhan. These are the same things. Like, I, I don't want something to be true or I want it to be true. And so I'm just going to shout as loudly as I can. Um, and, and then maybe people won't notice. And the depressing part about this is that you can understand evangelically or critically that let's say there's a novel that you as an editor think is the greatest work of literature yeah. of our time. And you want to do everything possible to convince people that they should read this book because it is an advance yeah. on civilization, right? And so you turn your pages over to it. You do this, you do that, because it has a much larger purpose. These are goddamn television shows <laughs> that are that are evanescent pieces of crap. Hey, at, at best. hey. Not yours. Well, I mean, I'll have one right and now. But I, I guarantee you when might, I have one, yeah. I will take yes. offense like that because it will be an evanescent right. piece of crap. Right. But, I mean, in other words, like, you have this platform, and if you want to use it because what you really want to do is transmit uh, cultural references to people that will elevate them and change their lives and do all this, that's one thing. But, like, The Morning Show is the second season of a television program that was about how there were fights between the Today Show and CBS This Morning and Good Morning America. Right. A subject about which nobody should care anyway. Nobody should care. They changed the names so it's not even fun gossip. Right. Right. If there was all the real, it was like, oh, and that, this actor's playing Matt Lauer and he's going by the name Matt Lauer. That would be more I interesting. Tune in. Right. Yeah. Right. But it's always so, going to come up with, right. a, with a fake, the fake network. UBN. Oh, well, UBN is the news leader. I'm the head of the, I'm the, d- the news director of CLG <laughs> Network. It's like so ridiculous. It's like when, when you, um, you know, it's like, I used to call it the, the Dash Rip Rock thing when like, on the Flintstones, when they Dash Riprock, he was always like the big movie star. Or right. the, on Gilligan's Island, once they were visited by a uh, an English rock group, and it was like the most old, elderly version. It was like the Beatles, but like even Gilligan's Island was like late sixties, and that this was they, they they basically were Ed Sullivan Beatles, and they and they would and all their only song was yeah 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 yeah. They like she kept singing, and like that was their like oh my god, they were oh they're dreamy. Like what? Like what? On yeah. what planet? So that so this on network. GLN yeah. network. Yeah, yeah. yeah. GLN. Uh, hello, I'm I'm Jazz yes. Riprock of the GLN News. 
<laughs> now, uh, we need to take a pause here for a second for Rob, because I, I sent you guys really? on our on our, oh. on our text chat a, a, um, I'm an entry from Instagram from an account that oh, I think right. Rob introduced me to. Oh, right, I believe right. this was your this was your recommendation to me. The name of the the name on the account is Len Three Rd. It's like Leonard, but with a three instead of instead yeah. of an e. It's a guy named Len Connor, and he celebrates birthdays of second, third, fourth, and fifth rank celebrities by finding <laughs> yeah. the goddamnedest clips oh, in, yeah. in television history that you have ever seen. And today's go to Instagram, search LEN3RD, okay? Because he has today a happy birthday clip dedicated to Barry Williams, who you may remember. Barry Greg Williams Brady. played Greg Brady. On the Brady Bunch. Right. And this is pre-perm. This is pre-perm. This is early yes, Brady. Yes. So this would be Greg Brady either just before or just after the Brady Bunch had premiered. Okay? And it's a Mission Impossible episode on which he was a guest. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. And Mission Impossible episode <laughs> takes place in a South or Central American dictatorship. Well, it actually takes place... Right in front of the Paramount Commissary. They sent it around. They redressed the Paramount Commissary. Yes. But we are we are to believe that we are in a plaza somewhere in Central America. And there is a woman doing a flamenco dance or something. And there's a dictator or something around. Some sort of commandante. And, yes, a commandante. Yeah. And... Barry Williams, who I think is 11 or maybe oh, yeah. 12, yeah, is dressed like a girl. But she's playing a tambourine. She's got a wib, wig on. She, she, don't dead okay. name her. I, I, okay. <laughs> and a dress. Her pronouns and, in the Mission Impossible are yes. she, her. And, and the commandante comes up to Barry Williams while Peter Graves... Uh, who, of course, is the head of the Mission Impossible squad, is looking on with sunglasses on in the other uh, across the across the plaza, and says something like, "What is going on with you?" And Barry Williams says, "I am here to be a dancer," or something well, like that. Well, that's actually not what happens, but okay. Okay, please, please, please enlighten. No, people. I just, I mean, I don't think Barry Williams is. I am here to be a dancer. What he said, what she says is. I have to play because the guy keeps saying, "Look at me, look at me." Yeah. And then, then finally, he makes um, her look at him, and then there's this the weird zooms, you know, kind of whip pans on everyone as they, and we, I don't know what they register. I just think he I mean, registers. Is he supposed to be a woman, or is he supposed no, to be like a dude I believe that, I believe that he was. Ha- he's a kid, and this he's is trying to smuggle him out. They put him in drag because they're trying to get him out of the country or something. I we don't okay. know. I That's the genius. And of Peter the... Lupus. It's so weird. It's so lazy that Peter Lupus, who was a member of the IMF, the Impossible Mission Force, is also there. At, at, at he's me. He, he's meant to be playing the guitar. But he's obvious in the first clip you see, he's not even, I don't think there's any strings in the guitar. That's how cheap it was. He's just kind of like slapping his hand up and down like he's, like he's oh, like yeah, wet. I see him now. Yeah. So I'm watching it. I only, and, I yes, and, it and, and he's and got Barney. a, he's, he's got a gypsy kerchief on. Yeah. 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 Anyway, it is, the thing about this feed is that um, this, this guy, Leonard, Len Connor. Yeah. 
where he gets these clips, I don't know. how yeah, he knows about them, and okay. he clips them for like 45 seconds. Every day is a joy. It Every day is a joy. The greatest, it is the greatest thing on the internet, bar none, if you have can some I, taste yeah. for crap hey, the show business. Can I make one other observation, yes. which I think applies to a lot of Mission Impossibles? You know, it's been yes. a while since I watched. So this is supposed to be super, uh, uh, muy autentico. Uh, South American country, right? Sure. I see. Like, see. see. Yeah. And see. Robert Graves is there. Peter Graves. Tra- yes. Peter Graves, sorry. Peter Graves. It'd be, it'd be actually really interesting if it was Robert Graves. Peter Graves is there. Graves is declaiming the white god. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. And his translation of the Iliad. Yes, mm-hmm. please. So Peter Graves is supposed to be, you can tell just even from this clip, that he is supposed to be deploying the maximum espionage skills that only the finest at the IMF have. Right. And he's, you know, he's sort of like when that, when, when uh, Indiana Jones's friend is talking about how you'll, or Indiana Jones is talking about how you'll never find my, my friend because he blends in. He's, you know, he, he virtually disappears. He knows every language. Here's Graves in these really swank Ray-Ban glasses dressed to the nines in like a suit and he's hiding behind a pinata. By the hiding behind piano, he's next to a pinata. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. It's pretty amazing. Yesterday, now, okay. I sent you guys a photo. So I'm changing channels, yeah. and I hit a, an episode of Happy Days. What, what do from you do the last day, season? John? I don't understand. This is what happens when he quits Twitter, is that he has all this time. has to fill up. I literally had the remote in my hand for the first time in months because my kids were elsewhere. And I was just changing channels like the old days. And channel 31 on the on the spectrum in New York is... Very much is on a, the spectrum. It's a whatever. And it's happy days. And it's uh, it's the episode from the last season, which I know because the guy who took Ron Howard's place is in the episode. Oh yeah, he was uh, Ted on the Yeah, right. Okay, so and then he was a neighbor on uh, and, on Married with Children. Right, and and Phil Silver's daughter, who had somehow replaced Joni or something. And she loves Chachi. Right, but so mm-hmm. so so the episode is Al has booked his cousin Frankie Avalon to play at a benefit in Milwaukee. And Frankie Avalon isn't showing up, so Fonzie has to take the place of Frankie Avalon and lip-sync to a Frankie Avalon song. And then, of course, the record goes berserk. And Frankie Avalon then, of course, does show up and performs a number, and it's all wonderful, and that's okay. I'm only bringing this up because Happy Days had then been on for, I don't know, what, 10 years? Something Longer like that. than the 50s, yeah. Right. Yeah. And and uh, first of all, Frankie Avalon at this point is like 60. And he's, and got, Henry a, Winkler's he's 60. got a rug like you yeah. wouldn't believe. And there is Henry Winkler playing Fonzie, who was 50. And so this is this show, 30 million, even though it's now declining in the ratings, 25, 30 million people are watching it. still a top five show. Okay. So the the scene is a theater, and they're doing this show, and Frankie Avalon is the guest star. And it's so cheap. Yeah. They are so cheap that there are three rows of seats, and there are like 15 people watching in the audience of this big benefit. What's your point? My point is that television, when 
when three networks had a hundred million people watching shows every night right, with right. thirty million people watching were so chintzy. Like <laughs> well, now, I mean, okay. the morning show has five people watching it, and every episode it looks like a movie. Forty-five yeah. million dollars. Yeah. Right, right, right. Well, we used to say this. This is what we say. Okay, first of all, a little lingo. This the the, the big moment where Fonzie is like the the lip syncing isn't working. We call that we call that the block comedy. They they did the block comedy scene. That was always like you could always tell if you were with a writer who had come up in a Gary Marshall production because they would refer to it the block comedy scene, which is the big scene usually in the second act because there were only two acts then. Um, where oh it all goes haywire. That's your block comedy scene. Uh, that's your ooh. Where's your ooh? Where's my ooh? I need my ooh, and that would be what you do. Um, uh, and then I would say that what, the other thing we say, we, you know, I've always said is like, hey, if they if they notice that there's only 15 people in the audience, if they're counting people in the audience, then we got bigger problems than just no budget. And you kind of say that on your TV, like like no one's no one like well, no one's no one's looking at that. No one's looking at that. So there you go. Okay, let me ask you another question. Um, and then I want to talk about, about Apple a, TV. A, then I want to talk about anal, uh, anal, anal stuff. Okay. You got to narrow it. I mean, I know what you're referring to, but yeah. Like, do, do you though? <laughs> yeah, I think I think I do. Stay tuned for anal stuff right after yeah. this. Let me let me be okay. more clear. I hope I know what you're referring to. <laughs> so we're talking about Apple TV. That's 20 million people watching, right? The morning show has has a uh, budget simply for uh, for for star power, right? It's got Reese Witherspoon, yeah. Oscar-winning actress. It's got Jennifer Aniston, you know, one of the two or three biggest stars ever on television, and Steve Carell, who is a major movie star, as the as 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 the three lead performers. So right there, they're probably spending three million dollars an episode just on salaries alone, or or something close to that, right? Two two people are watching it. Right. Apple just debuted a show called Foundation, in a desperate effort, as all these services are doing, to get the next Game of Thrones. So and so they, they right. bought rights to Isaac Asimov's famous series of stories and novels set over the course of a millennium about a civilizational decline and fall right. and, and rise again. I'd never read these things, and I needed some junk to read, so I watched about 20 minutes of the first episode, and then I stopped, and then I went and I read the first Foundation book. There are three books in the first series, what? and then what? and what? then there then there are five others. I just so want I want you to I want to follow you around for a day. Okay. You, I you, you saw you like saw a show, sleep. and then you got the book. You read the book. No, okay. So I watched three minutes of the show, and then I wa- okay. And you read a book. So the book, which is like won the, the every award and is the most one of the most famous works of science fiction ever. I'm 60 years old. I never read it. Okay, so. The book is essentially a series of conversations over time between characters talking about civilizational decline and how it functions. So Very little clock. happens in them. They kind of go, they, they bounce around in time. Like clock. But it's all, but it's all based on sort of Gibbon, and it's, 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 pretty, it's much better than I expected. It's more interesting than I expected, sort of as a kind of political, it's a, yeah. like a political right. novel mm-hmm. set in outer space, whatever, it doesn't matter. So Joan and I, we both watched, I think, some of the some of this show. So you spend God knows how much you spend. This is the thing has been in development for ten it years. It looks very expensive. It's oh, incredibly yeah, yeah, yeah. expensive. Sure. 
it is the least faithful adaptation of anything I have ever seen. Okay, so you just brought this up. I don't know if you saw my tweet yeah. from the other day. Okay. Apropos of nothing, but I think this is a great glop topic. I forgot about it. I have a dirt guilty pleasure. I like the movie Battleship, and I think that is the least faithful ap- adaptation okay, yeah. of the source material okay. of well, anything ever made. At least right. Battleship, no, the game didn't have a plot, right? Like, right. Foundation is a thing. It is a, it is a book about sort of the politics of war and stuff like that. And whatever this thing is, and I've now watched one episode and a little more of a second, it is some mystical gobbledygook with things that have nothing to do with the book. Why would you spend all this money on a product that is, like, legendary for, you know, set and then take it and, like, turn it into the opposite of what it was and then sell it as finally foundation because is coming to screen? are you really asking... Screen. Yes, because no one read the book except the people pitching the series, and they held the book up, and the people who said, okay, let's do this series, did not read the book. And they did that a year and a half ago, pre-COVID. And they were, and as you start, it's like you're going off on a giant sea voyage, and you're just about two degrees off, which doesn't really matter for the first week or even the first month. But by you get, by your six months into the voyage, you're so way off the original origin that you just – Go with it. And no one but a few people read the book because that's how it works now. You just don't – and the fact that the book exists is all, all that matters. I know people who have sold projects based on an original story. They, they, they hired a graphic artist to make into a graphic novel. Then they put the dialogue in, and then they printed it up, self-published it up on glossy paper, and they gave it some, like, Phantasmagoria publications, and they brought it into the pitch meeting and said, here, we found this graphic novel. It's fantastic. And the people reading go, well, this graphic novel must be really good. And they said, let's do it. It's, it's got intellectual property. It's got IP, even though it's like they reverse engineered it. And that's happening all over that, town. That's, that's real? That's real. I mean, That's people, people are are people are, are are coming up with ideas and then finding someone to write an article based on those ideas that then they put up on Medium and say, "Look, that is that's that that is that is fantastic." It also is fantastic. Nutrafol. Can I tell you about Nutrafol? Because <laughs> it's fantastic. Did you really think my thing was fantastic? You know I don't know if you know this. Jonah doesn't know this because uh, he has a mane like, you know, like a lion. But millions of Americans experience thinning hair. Some of us experienced it and have been long. Some of us experienced it back when the, a young Barry Williams was appearing in drag. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's common, even normal, but it's not openly talked about except by me. So going through it can feel lonely and frustrating. It's time to change the conversation and join the thousands of people standing up for their strands with Nutrafol. Our sponsor, Nutrafol, is formulated with potent botanicals to help you grow hair as strong as you are, and it's physician-formulated to be 100% drug-free. It's... They use natural, clinically effective botanicals for better hair growth through whole body health on top of thicker, stronger hair without lasers or chemicals. Nutrafol's ingredients may also help you get a handle on better sleep, stress response, skins, nails, and I kid you not, libido. 
It says libido right here. Visit Nutrafol.com and take their hair wellness quiz for customized product recommendations that put the power to grow thicker, stronger hair back into your hands and also libido. When you subscribe, you'll receive monthly delivery so you never miss a dose, which will help with your libido. Shipping is free and you can pause or cancel anytime. Always a great help when you are talking about your libido. Does it work? Yes. In clinical studies, Nutrafol users saw thicker, stronger hair growth with less shedding in three to six months. Whether you're experiencing thinning or not, you deserve hair as strong as you are. Nutrafol can help you achieve your best hair growth naturally, plus your libido. So you can grow thicker, healthier hair, and support our show and support your libido by going to Nutrafol.com and using promo code GLOP to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is the best offer available anywhere for your libido, and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Free shipping on every offer. Uh, thank you. Hair like Stalin. I'm, hair like, yeah. Hair like now Stalin. We, get 50, so, get $15 you know, off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code GLOP, for hair as strong as you are. And we thank Nutrafol for sponsoring the GLOP podcast. I, 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 I Thinning hair is an interesting topic, right? Because... I always, I'm, 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 I'm always like aware that my widow, I have a widow's peak or like, whatever it is. It's like, it's like my hair is in the front, and then there's like, it, it, it's kind of, there's like more, more forehead is showing, and yet I don't have any of the, the, the bald, the male pattern baldness. I guess is the little crown of the head. I have plenty of hair there, and so I can't tell whether I, I. I always look like I'm losing more hair when my hair is longer, and then when I get a haircut, mm-hmm. it looks like I, I'm not. Is that Jonah's nodding his head? Is that a no? That's that's a trick for some people. You got a full head of hair, like, you? Yeah, I do, I do. Uh, but the the way to like, I actually can look. I have the same thing. My hair is on the thin side. It used to be thick like Stalin's. But um, the longer it gets, the easier it is to see, like, bald spots and stuff because – or more it looks like I have bald spots because the way it falls and all that kind of stuff. And I know a lot of people, when they start to lose their hair, they sh- they sh- close-crop shave their head, and um, it actually makes them look like they have more hair. The problem I have is – because I wouldn't mind doing that – is I have an enormous misshapen gourd of a head. That's true. That's, that's spherical only in parts and pointy in other parts, like Sputnik. And um, – and that's why I used to live in terror about going bald because there's some people like you know John's a handsome man he can pull yeah, it off. Right. I I do not have a bald man's pate. Right. I, uh, how would phrenologists would want to study me for you. How, how, how would you? You would look like I think you would look that. like the coronavirus. A little bit. A little yeah. bit. I think that's right. How would you know that? I had a crew cut when I was a kid, and it it, it looked like the after yeah. picture of a horrible beating. Well, that's uh, very sad. I'm sad. I'm sorry to hear <laughs> yeah. that. I'm sorry to my hear theory that. This is that ad, this ad read has 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 <laughs> my fear is that I would self consciousness yeah. among my um, among my colleagues. The hair, here. the hair is a ballast to the head. It kind of takes it reshapes mm-hmm. it and gives it a little more balance. And so, on my fear, Jack Donaghy, Jack Donaghy in Thirty Rock says, "Your hair is your head suit." <laughs> it is your, your head, head suit. suit. Okay. It is your head suit. I, I, and I should be clear, my right. mom is going to disagree with my description of my my cranium, and she now listens to the glop, which makes me a little uh, nervous. Yeah, I think so. Um, so, Mom, I apologize. I have, a, I have a lovely head. It comes from my mom's side of the family. Everything is wonderful. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, Quality in honor of your mom, I would like to read a little a little, a little, little bit here in, so, so that it's embarrassing uh, from the New York Post. Uh-oh. 
A newly published medical report by doctors in Japan has revealed a mysterious condition associated with COVID-19 called restless anal syndrome. Restless anal syndrome. (laughs) Uh, And apparently uh, a, a, a man... Uh, had uh, COVID, and he <laughs> it's only one person. It's by one the guy. Way. Yeah, it's one guy. Yeah. But uh, he had he was in, he was in the hospital for 21 days with COVID, and then he fully recovered, and uh, and he left the hospital. But he reported he had one lingering symptom, uh, what he called deep anal discomfort in the area between his anus and genitals, which is always you know this has always been a question like what do you call that it's a taint the taint the taint one thing and taint the other yeah. um, uh and uh and they didn't know what to do it uh uh he observed that physical activity seemed to relieve his stressed anus mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but while lying low only increased his discomfort which spiked during evening hours uh and there was no uh, the colonist colonis- you know what physical activity really enjoys Playing cornhole, obviously. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, John. that's a deep cut. Um, come uh, on, you're the editor in chief of a of an intellectual journal. Oh my <laughs> god. I, hey, I oh. read. I read. I read. I read. I read Satyricon. Yeah, that's 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 very literary of me to you know mention this activity, which is. Written about extensively right. by the great Latin writer Petronius. I'm sorry. No, you're probably right. Please go uh, ahead. I just enjoy. Um, I, I just want to know. I just want to set the clock. You know, September 30th, 2021. An article about one person in Japan who has restless anal syndrome, and I predict within six months, in the daytime programming on Fox News. There will be an article. Uh, there'll be an ad for. Do you have restless anal syndrome? <laughs> okay, here's why there won't be. Ask your doctor if you can. Look here's why it. there won't be. There won't be because this is the result of COVID. If it were the result of the vaccine, then there oh, might yeah. be an ad. No, no, I, mean, I mean a pharmaceutical ad. Uh, well, no, it, it yeah. was the result of the vaccine. The story would be like on Newsmax and all these places um, would be tainted justice. Yeah. <laughs> but the pharmaceutical, the pharmaceutical thing will be, ask your doctor if Tainterol is right for you. <laughs> the problem is that isn't Tainterol has some side yeah. effects. Yeah, but it's some side effects like not Inability having to speak anal syndrome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, can I ask you a a, a, a vax anti-vax question? So sure. it now yeah. seems to me that we are in a condition in which we are having these arguments that are that are uh, about vaccine mandates and stuff like that that are getting perilously close to medieval how many angels dance on the head of a pin stuff, which is to yeah. say, I think we are now in the world in which we are uh, anti-anti-vax and anti-anti-anti-vax. So right. people are either anti anti-vax and saying you're all a bunch of idiots what's the matter with you get vaccinated you morons or they're like 
I don't like that people are talking this way about the about the people who aren't getting vaccinated. I'm yeah. you know from Glenn Greenwald on one side to Eric I don't know who to Tucker on the other side, even though they're really not on the other side at all. Whatever however you want to slice it, there's like this oh the disrespect that is being paid to people who are choosing for whatever reason not to get vaccinated because look we're a free society and da 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 da. You know what we're a free society we are. And if anybody who is listening here has decided not to get, you know, vaccinated, uh, congratulations. You're an idiot, and I hope you get restless anal syndrome. Let me just put it that way, because you're a moron and you deserve what you get. And just because you are free not to get vaccinated, which I kind of agree with, that doesn't mean you're free to be employed wherever you want to be employed if you're not vaccinated. And it doesn't mean that I have to pay you any respect. And I'm sick of being told that I need to respect people for doing <laughs> dumb shit. I, I do my one anti-anti-anti-pro-anti-vax. Pro, I can't keep it straight. But I agree with you entirely, 100%, 1,000% in, in directionally. The one place where I do get pissed off, as much as I think people not getting vaccinated are making fools of themselves and being stupid, even though they're not putting their coworkers in danger the way Biden says right. and all that, what does bother me is how sometimes in the course of a single breath or paragraph, someone on some place like MSNBC can talk about Trump, dumb Trump voters, death cult, they're destroying the country, right. they're, they're, it's a cult, it's this, blah, blah, anti-science. And then coming up, we're going to talk about the difficult time they're having getting teachers to fully vaccinate in New York City public schools. How you know? And, and they, they treat like medical workers and teachers and anybody who didn't vote for Trump who's still not vaxxing. Right. As people that need to be persuaded and reasoned with and come, let us reason together. And you're in, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then the second it turns to like flyover country people, it's like, oh, my gosh, these rubes, they're dying because they're fools and all that kind of stuff. Or, 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 or it doesn't matter what your politics are. Yeah. It's not smart to not be vaccinated. And you should either have uniform contempt for everybody or you should have uniform desire to persuade people. But you can't pick and choose based upon red versus blue. And you can't look at your shoes when someone says, well, what do you say in New York City about African-Americans, black, I guess black, who aren't getting vaccinated? Like you can't. It's, as you say, it's like it, it, it gets very awkward when on the one hand, right. good, I hope they all die in, you know, wherever, Iowa, and, you know, I hope they all die. Well, what about right. the African-American, well, the black population in New York City is not getting vaccinated? Well, that's very complicated. It's very complicated. Have you, have you not heard about the Tuskegee experiment? Yeah, and all that, like, I get it, but, 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 but also, like, I kind of feel like I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of through the looking glass here because for the past 20 years, really, I think 20 years, maybe more, Every single anti-vaxxer in my circle have all been crackpot, left-wing Santa Monica parents who are like, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that. Like, so, so much so that I got, I got whooping cough in L.A. And I went to the doctor. The doctor goes, yeah, you got, you got pertussis. I guess it's called pertussis or whooping cough. I said, whooping cough? I said, is this because – and he stopped me. He goes, because some dumbass parents don't vaccinate their kids? Yeah. And they weren't right. like they weren't on their way to the mega church to wear their MAGA hats or whatever. They were these are like smug progressives who like. And then suddenly it's changed. And, and I actually don't. I, I'm looking for this thing, and I got. I, I was looking for a tweet. I got a tweet weeks ago, and I had no idea. And I made a, a mental note to read it to see if anyone could explain this to me. Um, and I couldn't. Oh, well, you're looking for that. Here's a contrafactual that I'd be curious. I go back and forth about this. Let's say Trump 
yes. won re-election. Uh-huh. Um, and would the bulk of anti political anti-vaxxers be on the left today? Right. I think without question. I mean, Kamala yeah, Harris said they were. Right. she wouldn't trust the Trump right. vaccine. Right. When it, she was the candidate for vice president of the United States, she wouldn't trust it, the vaccine. It's so baffling. I'm so baffled by it because, I mean, I feel like I have whiplash. Uh, so, so I'm scrolling through Twitter trying to find this person. Who said, I mean, it's a perfectly nice person. I'm sure they're a nice guy. I, I just didn't understand a word of this tweet. Uh, I think um, uh, Rich Lowry tweeted something, and I was like, yeah, uh, something. I forget what it was. And, and it wasn't even that right wing because, as you know, I'm total squish. And I got this response from somebody. I can't find it. I, was, I, was, I found it now, but I was immediately um, – Distracted by there was a picture of me when I did Gutfeld a week ago, and I just that that it, I God I look so fat I gotta like stop you anyway. Um, <laughs> this is what the really, I'm worried about you, know, hair, you know you're saying all this out loud. I don't care right? about your yeah, I, I know, I know, I know. But I'm just trying to give you a showing so, some bald spots. So um, this is what it was. Something about. Okay. This is sweet. The anti-anti folks are out trying to find traction. Even if it's exaggerated, it doesn't let you fellows off the hook for ignoring TFG stories for years to protect your market value. Your fear of your radicalizing authoritarian audience colors everything you say. I was like, I don't know. What is TFG? Okay, I don't know what TFG is, but what it means is that you're a wimp because you're you're now saying this, but you didn't stop them. You didn't stop the Trumpians when you had a chance. True. Rob. Okay. You didn't that, stop him. Oh, he's the former guy. Like, they don't, I, I don't think the F stands anymore. for former. I think yeah. Yeah. That, that we guy. Because we all know you were a lunatic Trump supporter. Yeah, I was. Uh, you I were like, like, oh, man. On the front You were line. wearing that MAGA hat before there was a MAGA hat. That's I love, you. I love all those hats. Well, here's my point. My point is that um, whatever you – like, look, I think it's fair to say it is highly likely that this uh, – uh, virus was gain of function research in a lab, and of course, because people are stupid, and there's some you have to follow the procedure. I don't mean Jeff Goldblum in in uh, Jurassic Park, but like nature finds a way. There's no way you can keep the virus that is going to get out, and it got out. And luckily, America's awesome, and we have incredible uh, big pharma. is fantastic, and they invented a, a, vir- uh, a vaccine for it in ten months. And this should be a story about how fantastic American science wins out. But the problem is that there are a whole lot of Republicans who don't like science, and there are a whole lot of Democrats who don't like America. And so we're kind of like big pharma. We're kind, and they don't like America. They don't like capitalism. And so we're kind of like in this thing where half the people are against it. Yeah. The justification for capitalism and the American way is the vaccine in our time. Both. <laughs> right? Yeah. Hey. Nine months. Companies seeking profit, which have invested over many years in research on mRNA before they knew what it was going to be, what its application might be, almost going out of business several times, finally have something that attaches to the research that they've been doing that they have had investors investing in for years. And in 48 hours, they understand how to solve the crisis of COVID. And then using techniques, investing techniques at the government level that are entirely new and and singular, the American government said, sight unseen, we will buy billions of dollars worth of these vaccines if you make them and we can approve them. 
So you go right ahead right. before you even know. Spend right. the money. Do it. Yeah. And in eight months Fantastic. we have vaccines. This means yeah. this is the proof that the capitalist system has, you know, now may, may end up saving, you know, Six like months. 50 million people from death because the profit motive and the research and the things that go into it are fantastic. And uh, who's saying that? Nobody. Like, nobody's saying it. Nobody. J- J.D. Vance and, every, and, you know, Marco Rubio and all these guys are now sort of becoming so anti-capitalist on the, on the right. And everybody in the Democratic Party is anti-capitalist on the left. And, we've, and, yeah. in, and I predict in nine months we're going to have an effective a treatment for tainterol <laughs> called tainterol. <laughs> and I feel like that's like we should be we celebrating We should be that. celebrating that. And when we, when we get over... When, if you have restless anal syndrome, or conversely, have gotten over restless anal syndrome, you will find it especially comforting to sit in your X chair. Right. Because if you've ever been behind the wheel of a high-performance sports car with restless anal syndrome, you know it's very uncomfortable, but you know that it's way more comfortable than a regular car could be, and you never want to settle for a regular car again. But you're going to feel exactly the same way about your ex-chair, restless anal syndrome or not. From the moment I first sat down in mine, I understood why many consider ex-chair to be the finest office chair in the world. Can your current office chair give you a massage while you're working? My ex-chair can. Can your current office chair heat up or cool down? My ex-chair can. It's all in the LMAX massage and temperature regulation exclusively designed and made for ex-chair. And once you feel the customized support of ex-chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar DVL, your back will never be happy in another chair again. So take my advice. Try X-Chair for yourself risk-free for 30 days. Once you realize how much better your chair should be, you'll never go back. I promise. Go to xchairglop.com now. That's the letter X, the word chair, G-L-O-P.com. For $100 off your order, X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort. xchairglop.com. And we thank X-Chair for sponsoring the Glop podcast. Yes, we thank them. Restless, Restless anal syndrome, syndrome or no? You've tried everything. I've tried everything, and they show you trying everything. <laughs> you know, when, they do, when they're trying to do a new product, they always say, they'll show you, like, not being able to, like, I hate slicing carrots. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Looking at the camera, like, you've got restless anus syndrome. I've tried a pillow. I've tried this. I've tried that. Ask your doctor if you have paper rolls right for you. Paper rolls not for this. Paper rolls not for that. Uh, Remember FDIC. Yeah, have you have seen we seen what? Wait, this commercial, it just drives me crazy. Speaking of commercials that annoy you, it, it's like a leaf caster, leaf gutter. It's a it's a rain gutter thing for your house so that leaves don't clog up. And they they run it four times a morning on, like, Morning Joe, and it's on Fox all the time, too. And the whole premise, I, like, just think, my wife thinks I'm, like, it's a sign of my, me having a nervous breakdown. Like, just, you know when you get sort of like the person cutting carrots? You, when you start getting angry at things that, that shouldn't make you angry yeah. and yelling at the TV? Yeah. So this is commercial. Welcome to 50. And it's a commercial where it's sort of like, you know, where they invite you to, like, see the promotion for why you should buy a condo at this home, right? So it's this, the premise of the commercial is a bunch of people have driven to a place to hear a pitch about this new miracle leaf system for their rain gutters. And they're all sitting in there, and the guy's going through a slideshow, and, like, one, you know, upscale couple turns to each other and says, that looks like our house. And then they go to, um, then the guy doing the pitch says, 
how many of you use ladders to to clean your rain gutters? And this guy raises his hand, and he's there with his daughter. And his daughter is, like, shocked, like he just confessed to having restless anal syndrome. And she says, Dad, I told you that's dangerous. And I just start yelling. It was like, they didn't talk about this in the car? I mean, like, how do you get someone to go to a leaf cleaning seminar and not talk about how you use ladders to clean the rain cutters? I mean, it drives me crazy. Can I just ask you an important question in relation to this Uh commercial, which I've never seen? Uh Uh-huh. Are they are they wearing masks? Because I I, I, I they're not wearing masks. No one wear, have you noticed no one wears masks in commercials? Period. I, I would like to know why that is. Because you know I, I'm very alarmed because I I happen to be walking one day on the planet Earth and I passed someone who wasn't wearing a mask and I had to go on Twitter and tell everybody about it because. Two right. thirds of the tweets I see, I, I read Twitter. I'm I'm not tweeting, but I read Twitter. Are like, <laughs> yeah, I was that's I was choice. in JFK, and there were three people without masks yeah. on. Yeah, I know. It's, it's it's. I went to a play, a new pizza place open. One of these, the Neapolitan pizza place open on University Avenue, University University, place University place in the Village. Yeah, about a block and a half from my house. It's a it's a pizza place, and I walked in. I was not wearing a mask, but because I, I had forgotten, and the guy walking by me said, "Hey, um, very nice." He said, um, "Do you mind wearing a mask?" I'm like, "Oh, of course, I'll wear a mask," and I put my mask on because I have it. I'm not, I don't care. I'll, I'll wear a mask. If you want me to wear a mask, I'll wear a mask. I'm not going to get into this. And then I put on my mask, and then I'm ordering, and I notice that one of the guys making the pizzas. Has his mask down under his chin, what? and I'm like, now I'm in, I'm enraged. <laughs> like I did, I was actually fine. Like okay, I'll put on mask. I don't care. Like the like guy said it really nicely. It wasn't like a jerky thing. It was like you know, oh, Wait, yeah, the I'm guy sorry, who I didn't asked see the you sign. was one of the people who runs the pizza parlor. He's oh. like, yeah, he's like, yeah. I don't know, whatever. He's right. the, he's he, the yeah. mask so guy, So he was right? in the bit. He was the And so I put on yeah. mask on. He said it nicely, yeah. and I put it on because I'm not, a, you know, what? I, yeah. I don't care. But then I, Dan, I instantly saw the guy with the mask down by the yeah. chin, you know, so it looks like looked like he's wearing like panties under his chin, and I like, or he just had like a chin lift, and the, this is the bandage. And I'm like, now I go from like cool, like it is what it is, to like I'm now volcanically furious, and I want to actually. Take back. No, I don't want the. Pe- I don't want anything from you yeah. people, and be, and I and I I don't. I I think part of it is just COVID mask and residual anger about everything, but uh, part of it is just like I'm, I'm, uh, I I have restless, angry syndrome. <laughs> well, I was gonna like I'm yes. like I have I'm angry at and I don't even know where what? it came okay, from. But you know what's even, yeah. you know what's even worse. I, I think it's called. What? It's called it's called Pador Pador it's uh, I, I don't the Pador think it has anything to do with um, me. This is all you, man. <laughs> I, you have, you know, you but what, what, you what's worse is me. yeah. When the food prep guy, whether he has his mask up properly or not, right? But he takes out the tainterol applicator and applies sure. the treatment without washing his hands afterwards. That would be very. That would be very. Really in public. So, well, that's right. Yeah. So. I should have said I should have said to the guy I am wearing a mask, but it's the mask I wear for my restless anal syndrome. <laughs> oh, you could have said, and it's not really a mask per se. Put mask on, and couldn't you have just said, "Aren't we all wearing masks?" <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, now, right, right. 
one day we will stop wearing masks. Though it's not clear to me when that day will be because right it's not now clear to that everyone will stop. Right now, no. Seventy-five percent of every American over the age of twelve has had at least one shot, and forty-two million people have had COVID, including Rob, who, as we know, is a COVID hero and and is vaccinated. I'm a first responder in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and also, I what happened? I, I talk about this on the commentary podcast. So like, what happened to um, herd immunity? Uh, we're now actually like at numbers uh, dwarfing anything that you know we thought we were going to reach when things slowed down in April or May. You know, we're over 12 in the United States. 75 percent of the population has now gotten at least one shot, which means in three weeks. Yes. Uh, 75% of the population over the age of 12 will have been fully vaccinated. And I understand that people are still dying from the uh, Delta uh, uh, variant. And so we're still have these horrible Canada numbers, although now. now it's now been four straight days of 25% drops in caseloads based uh, compared to 14 days ago. When, wh- what, ha- where is Fauci saying good job people or you know what, we're getting really close to herd immunity or something like that. He can't say it because, like, he's worried that'll stop people from getting vaccinated or getting the – now we have the booster. But that's now it's not going to count until okay, everybody's got the booster. What, and then can I, can I there's going to be another booster. Go ahead. Here's my theory. My theory is – and I think I've told the story before, but it's emblematic. I was once in a focus group. Uh, and for a TV show, it wasn't mine. I was just sort of hanging out with a friend of mine. Uh, and, and uh, they, you know, folks, they sit around, people sit, they, they watch, they do the dial test, and then they take a representative sample of like 15 people to sit around a room. And they ask a lady who is an uh, older lady, and they say, do you, did you enjoy the show? And her response is, I think people my age would enjoy the show. <laughs> and they said, no, no, did you like it? She was, I really did appeal, to, I think it will appeal to my demographic. Now, this is a person they pulled off the street. They pulled her off. Probably She was probably at Universal City Walk, and they gave her $25 on pizza. So she's not an expert. But we've all internalized. Market research. Uh, we all have we all focus like market research. And it's basically we all think we know how people will react. So we can't tell them that masks work if we because we know they're going to go buy masks, and then the first responders won't have it. So we'll lie to them about that. We can't tell them it was a lab leak because then they'll be mean to Chinese people. We can't tell them all sorts of things because we think we know how they're going to react. And the truth is, American people don't react. People don't react that way. Focus groups don't work. None of this market research is, really works. It's just that it allows you to pretend like you're you're sitting there. I mean, George H. W. Bush during the campaign turned to his people and he said, "Here's why he knew he was going to win because America is not going to vote for a draft dodger." They did because they did because you don't know that they're not going to do that and. We've all just the, – the, the heart of our problems as a culture is that everybody thinks they know how everybody else is going to react, and we don't. Yeah, this comes out hugely in polling. Remember, you know, one of the reasons why John Kerry got the nomination was that the polling showed that very few people actually like John Kerry because John Kerry, science has shown, is John Kerry. But um, <laughs> but the polling all said they – Trust the science. Trust the science. Everyone said they thought he was the most electable. Or they thought he would win in these other states, mm-hmm. or he would get this vote. Mm-hmm. Everyone was playing a pundit rather than actually saying what they actually felt. And I think that, that that's all over the place. And you, you find it in, like, you know, it, it, it affects policymaking in a lot of ways. Like the, 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 yeah, the, totally. the, the, the uh, eviction ban moratorium, everyone was sure that this means there was going to be this huge raft 
of evictions. There hasn't been. Mm-hmm. Because it turns out that there are a lot of reasons why landlords wouldn't want to throw everybody out on the street all at once. Um, right. But, like, people just think they know other people's motives, and therefore they're against Let me tell you. you. Let me tell you how this is going to go down. <laughs> let me tell you. There's a... Remember that time there was this thing in, uh, in you, 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 it was like on every t- t- political talk show, and they would go around and they'd be like, you know, let me tell you, uh, 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 and they like, look it, look it. People would say, look it all the time. Like there was a time when people like their hands would be like catching a, ba- a basketball, and they'd say, John, here's how, here's what's happening, here's what's going to happen, John or <laughs> Steve or whatever. And uh, I remember I was in France for a little bit, and I was watching uh, some political talk show. And they, in, in France, political talk shows are I speak for 12 minutes, and then you speak for 12 minutes, and then someone else speaks for 12 minutes, and then it's the end of sort the show. Sort of like this podcast. But I noticed – yeah, it just sounds like <laughs> – <laughs> and I noticed they were doing this thing at the beginning, and it sounded like – and they would they'd say, equity. <laughs> and they'd talk. And what that means is listen, equity. And they all said that was their version of – look, at John, here's what I saw close encounters of the kind. I know what equity means. Yeah, equity. Uh, and that, that's your entire like, exposure it's, to it's French. With French <laughs> <laughs> well, when I hear the word, yeah, I swear, that's where my head goes. Right. Okay. <laughs> you know, I envy you. I, How's that? I, I envy you. Okay. And, yeah. That's a great movie. It is amazing. It's an amazing movie. Yeah. It's a great movie. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, just step all over your Make me a liar. Please go step all over your story. Equity. 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 All right. Um. I have no idea what we're talking You're supposed about. to do the third spot. No, there is no third spot. third spot. We it's only third have kind two of spots heat. today. This, this podcast is being brought to you by Ricochet. It's the home of intelligent conversation on the web. This podcast notwithstanding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so sorry. Also the game Cornhole. Brought to you by the game Cornhole. And, 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 and Anatrol. And, 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 t- and Tainterol. Tainterol. Ask your doctor if Tainterol is right for you. Now with the maximum amount of lidocaine permissible by law. Yeah. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, this brings up something else interesting about what... Daddy, Daddy, can we go to the circus? <laughs> no, I, I can't. I my, my anus is acting up. Oh. <laughs> and then Tainterol, like, hey, let's go to the circus. Hooray! <laughs> Mom, do you ever have those not-so-fresh feelings? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, commercials? Tainterol, in ointment and suppositories. No, I was just going to say, some of these pharmacology commercials now are, like, mind-blowing. Like, you actually think you're maybe watching an SNL parody. It's like, what's the matter, yeah. Stella? My schizophrenia, my schizophrenia <laughs> is really acting yeah. up. I mean, I'm not, oh. I'm not kidding. There was sort of some kind of a... It's like, well, if you have advanced schizophrenia, try this. This will actually, you know... I always like, don't use... Tainterol, if you're allergic to Tainterol. <laughs> you know, that is yes. the best. <laughs> that is the best. Discontinue using if death occurs. No, but it's like, it's like it they are now allowed to advertise for things. And they're advertising for things that I just don't really believe, you know, need market share in the same way. They know their business, and I'm not going to tell them not to advertise things that maybe they could grab market share on. But somehow... There are certain types of mental disorders that they're advertising for that it just strikes me it's weird that there are commercials for. That's that's yeah, all I'm those, saying. The, yeah, like those, schizophrenia. Those people probably aren't. Those people probably aren't watching Morning Joe. Right. 
Yeah. Have you woken the, up the, in the, the day? Or thing have is, you woken yeah. up in a motel covered in blood that's not your own? <laughs> you might want to try. <laughs> no, but it's not, that, it's not that. It's always like, what's wrong, Stella? Well, I woke up in a motel this morning with blood over me that's not my own. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I missed my daughter's take to my daughter to work uh, art show. No, it was day. my daughter's. Uh, it's my oh. daughter's. Uh, uh, you know, and then and then I had a gap in time. And then I found out I killed her teacher. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, no, but it's just, I don't know. Anyway, I did talk about it. The one for, uh, the one that had people like, you know, you don't want to leave the house and you're, you know, social anxiety, you're frightened, you don't leave the house. And like a lot of like people, you know, in wintry uh, sweaters looking out the window as other people are outside having fun and the children, mommy, mommy, won't you come see my thing? I can't come today. Oh, you know, and then they, then there's a pill you take for this, this kind of like anxiety. And then the side effect is, uh, side effects include, you know, something going on, uh, uh, frequent bowel <laughs> movements and the inability to control them. <laughs> so imagine you finally have the courage to leave the house, and then the side effect kicks in. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I mean, we are we, – uh, genuinely, we are living in a time that is beyond parody. I mean, we really are living in a, in a, at a moment in, in our cultural and political history that, that, it, that is beyond parody. Um, I, I am I'm struck by the fact that uh, uh, Kirsten Cinema. somebody said – we don't know where Kirsten Cinema is on these things, speaking about what her budget number was right. that she would accept. And somebody went up to Kirsten's, a reporter went up to Kirsten Cinema, Senator from Arizona, who is, you know, essentially one of the people blocking the giant Democratic spending Wallapalooza crazy thing, and said, you know, some of the House uh, progressives are saying, she was standing by the Senate elevator and said, they're, they're saying they, they don't know where you are, uh, Senator Cinema. And Kristen Cinema looked at the reporter and said, I'm right here by the elevator. <laughs> <laughs> because everybody's crazy. Well, She's not crazy. Like that. She is like, what do you mean they don't know where I am? I've said I'm not supporting I'm the right bill here. at the spending level. That's where I am. Why are you talking to me in this language? How, right. why, why, how have we come to this point? This is a policy question. I said I'm not voting for it. They don't know where you are, Senator Cinema. There was a great moment in the movie Waiting for Guffman where Bob Balaban comes up to Corky Sinclair in a rehearsal and is trying to have a private, you know, like if Corky isn't, you know, rehearsal, whatever he is, he's happy. And he goes, Corky, I really think that we should do the numbers. I think we, think we need to rehearse the music and here's the numbers. And Corky says, why are you whispering to me? I'm right here. <laughs> oh, that is a great movie. That is, a, on the one hand, it's a great movie. It is a little, you know, like, like, uh, elitist condescending to small town America, but it's just so, it's just yeah. so, so funny. Uh, a Mighty Wind, which is the other uh, Christopher Guest, yeah, Eugene Levy uh, movie about uh, about a, a folk, you know, sort of like a reunion of folkies from the 1960s doing a final it's concert. It's a sweet movie. Right. Um, has the great bit in which uh, Bob Balaban, it turns out, uh, you know, got interested in music because he played the cello as, as, as a kid and his mother was obsessed with his safety. So when he played the cello, <laughs> she made him wear a bike helmet. <laughs> You see this little kid <laughs> in the cello, mm -hmm. the cello with a bike helmet on, which I always thought was a fantastic joke. I just 
And there's a great moment. The two, the two people doing PR for the concert was Larry Miller and Jennifer Coolidge. And Jennifer, and, and Jennifer Coolidge is, is uh, as you know, I, I love yes. her. She's fantastic. But there You're was close a friend. It, She's a person, close personal friend. Like Larry Miller is a friend of mine. And, and Larry says to the camera, something like, because you know what? I, uh, uh, not a fan. Not a fan of uh, folk music. <laughs> and Jennifer Coolidge says in a cheerful voice, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so great. Larry Miller so great. is the uh, one of the few comedians uh, to contribute to the Weekly Standard. And I should yeah. mention, by the yeah. way, that uh, Commentary Magazine. Uh, in a, a couple of weeks, we're going to be closing our November issue, which is a special issue dedicated to the threat of wokeness. And I have a piece in there about comedy and wokeness by none other than David Zucker, the director of Airplane, oh, wow. Naked Gun, Scary Movie oh, cool. Three, many other many other things. Uh, so I'm very uh, I'm very proud of that. Maybe this is a way of transitioning into asking Jonah where people might see you in the upcoming weeks uh, in your, uh, you know, in your wonderful, aside from on the remnant and the ruminant and the ruminant and the... And online for Tainterall. And Tainterall. You are yeah, yeah. stream. Well, you know what? I, I think you really I, you need to negotiate that deal because you're, you're giving <laughs> it away for free now. And Tainterall can pay... I think a pretty penny. Giving away for free is often a, uh, something that people accuse people with wrestle, restless anal syndrome of, of, of doing. <laughs> That's right. Well, I think your ad, your ad would be you uh, in the in the in the you know backstage on one of the director's chairs uh, before special report. And five minutes of special report, Jonah. Five, no, five minutes special report, Mr. Goldberg. And you say thank you, and then you turn to the camera. Hi, I'm Jonah Goldberg, <laughs> and I'm not ashamed of my restless anal syndrome <laughs> since I got tainterol. Yeah. That's what it'd be. Uh, speaking of special report, I will be on uh, tomorrow night, Friday, I believe. Friday uh, the 1st of October. Yeah, and then I will be uh, on Fox at 6 o'clock on Sunday evening. The 3rd? If that's right, yeah. yeah. That, that, Matt, Matt yeah. seems to check out. So sure. And uh, <laughs> Tuesday and Saturday releases of the Remnant and Ruminant. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I should give a special plug because I was very excited. I had... Mike Duncan, who's the host of the Revolutions podcast and the History of Rome podcast, on on the first podcast of this wow. week, and I'm a big fan okay. of the Revolutions podcast. And I'm sure if I listened to the Rome one, I would be too. But I just I haven't been able to carve out the time. And it was a lot of fun, a lot of talk about history type things. And he's got a good book out, uh, biography of Lafayette. So there you go. Does uh, does does he rap? Does he sing Yorktown? He does not, but he does say that 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 Hamilton basically did more to rehabilitate Lafayette in America than uh, his biography right. could. <laughs> so, yeah. um, did more to rehabilitate yeah, Hamilton. Did more to rehabilitate you know, the American Revolution. Uh, the only thing standing between us and the 1619 Project taking down the entire country is this one show that has, uh, I'm happy to say, is uh, about to reopen. Anyway, Rob, Mar Martini Shot, available, yes. of course, wherever yeah. fine. Martini Shot's coming back. I had to take a, hi uh, uh, frankly, I really did have to take a Vertigo-related hiatus because I found it really difficult to type um, because it's just, I, the font had to be too huge, but I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I think I'm back. And so it is coming back. I'm doing two, an interview with a, a great guy on Monday, so a longer, uh, you know, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, uh, every now and then I do these, um, with uh, the guy who is the scheduler. Uh, for NBC and Fox for years, name's Preston, Preston, Preston Beckman. Beckman. I'm excited a, to hear that. He's great, and he's just a funny guy. And um, and, uh, and so we're going to talk about ratings and stuff like that. 
Um, and then I have I, I got a text from a friend of mine yesterday or the day before saying, hey, um, do you want to be on MSN? She, she's producing one of these MSNBC shows. And I said, yeah, sure, I'm in. I'll do it. And then she said, okay, great. So um, uh, Friday, uh, it's, it's, I think it's a, uh, it's a weekend show. And, um, and then I didn't hear anything back after I said yes. So I have a feeling what happened was that someone said, yeah, okay, let's get him. Wait a minute. Let me just Google him. Yeah, okay, but, but I don't know. Maybe I'll be uh, on an MSNBC show on the weekend. But it, but it, but a martini shot um, coming back uh, now that I can type and excellent. So uh, and, uh, you guys can hear me uh, daily if you if you dare uh, at the Commentary Magazine podcast available wherever fine podcasts are 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 sold for free. Um, one interesting thing that's happened over the last month, and I don't know if this is true of Ricochet, and I don't know if it's true of, of Jones' podcast or something, but uh, the last six weeks we have seen um, a surge in listenership out of nowhere, like uh, up like 40% over, over where we were, um, uh, you know, and, and so uh, I think maybe people are engaging or, you know, the Afghanistan debacle combined with the combined with the news um, you know, sort of uh, Biden's declining fortunes and stuff have um, have reinvigorated conservative listenership in a certain way uh, after feeling or those depressed. Those Moldovan bot farms that you invested in are finally paying off. Ah, oh, yeah. like yeah. like like our friends at um, at Oxy Media. Oh, yeah, uh, maybe maybe the best story, maybe the best media story of the last couple of years by Ben Smith in the New York Times about this Fantastic. media company yeah. uh, that uh, no one, n- none of us has ever heard of. Right, uh, Oxy. Right. So no, they, I mean, so they uh, are. Is it Ozy? It's Ozy. 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 Oxy is, of course, the drug, and so they um, they're having a round, trying to get a financing round, uh, forty million dollars out of Goldman Sachs, uh, claiming uh, that they are one of the most popular uh, video services on YouTube, and they have a partner from YouTube or a leading figure from YouTube that is going to be on the Zoom with Goldman Sachs to raise this money. And then uh, as it happens, it's right. just about time for them to have the Zoom. And the guy from YouTube says, oh, man, I'm sorry. Like, my Zoom isn't working. Can we just make this a phone call? And so the people at Goldman Sachs and the people at, 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 at OC say absolutely. And then the phone call proceeds. And as they're listening, the guys at Goldman Sachs are like, hmm, there's something funny about the guy from YouTube. Like, it sounds like his voice is going, is like being electronically distorted or something like that. This is really weird. So then it turns out that there was no one from YouTube on the phone call, that the person who was on, who was from YouTube supposedly was one of the two leading figures at OZ and that the leading figure at OZ, a guy named Carlos Watson and this other guy named Samar Rao, they both were on the phone call but the Samar Rao was posing as the guy from YouTube, which of course exposes them to possible legal jeopardy uh, as a as a as a effort to you know commit fraud in in you know in an effort to raise money. What's most interesting about this is that Goldman Sachs is like actually having meetings to raise forty million dollars from this company that is supposedly like one of the most popular companies on 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 YouTube and Something like uh, it's not claim, and also they claim like forty million unique visitors yeah. to like their website. Yeah, huge. yeah, yeah. 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 Now I run a website. Jonah runs a website. Rob runs a website. 
uh, granted, we are not, you know, like world beating in terms of these wild numbers of website stuff like that. But um, if a website gets 40 million visitors a month, I'm going to hear about it. And I never heard of it. And why that, yeah. Goldman Sachs was even taking the meeting, I don't understand, except I do, of course, because well, Carlos Watson is a black guy born in Haiti, came to the United States, went to, went to business school, and, uh, and ha- is using this to become a media personality. And this is, this is good Elizabeth Holmesism, almost exactly, which is to say Elizabeth Holmes went out and she raised a billion dollars for right. Theranos. Why? Because she was the perfect demographic and thing. She was yeah, the girl. Who she raised it from is important. Right. She yeah. was the girl like, entrepreneur, the same, right? Yeah. But it's the same thing. It's like it, it is uh, raising that money from Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs, the smart people, but they, if they're if their point is they got to talk to the guy from YouTube to find out if these numbers stick. Uh, no actual venture investor in the internet media space who's decent would need to do that. They already right. have those numbers are not right. secret. You can find them out. You could have a tough conversation with the CFO of the company and say, "How come Comscore and all these other measuring agencies have don't have you there?" And it's same thing with Elizabeth Holmes. She didn't raise that money from Kleiner Perkins or Excel or Sequoia or anything. She raised them from old men who like were rich and like thought she was right. cute. And the whole so thing is and that, that the know. culture wanted wanted a female yeah. Steve Jobs. Yeah, and so she right. was like, I'll so be the female Steve Jobs. Let me make this yeah. a nonsense product that nobody actually needs and raise a billion Wouldn't dollars. Wouldn't it be great if this was true? And Carlos yeah. Watson is, you know, the Jobs found it. You know, Lorene Jobs is giving him money. Gates is giving him money. It, it, he's on the board of NPR. They wanted. They <laughs> he's on the board of NPR. Isn't that great? <laughs> so no, it's funny. But here's the thing: to have. Oh, wait, you go ahead. Go ahead, John. John, yeah, you go ahead. I, well, I was just going to say, I mean, like, it's 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 the cultural version of the minority set aside nonsense. I agree. And there's all sorts of foundations that give you extra money if you're doing if you're if you're funneling money towards minorities and diversity and inclusion and all that kind of stuff. Right. But the thing is. So not only are the three of us fairly media literate, I think it's fair to say, um, you might have heard, I spent like the last three years raising money and co-founding a media startup. And I, I will just be clear, I don't find like stuff about the media, the business side of the media, all that fascinating. But my partner, Steve Hayes, does, and he like will send me stuff all the time. And when we met with private equity people, when we meet with consultants, when we interview for marketing and growth stuff, you got to be up on, you know, so like I know about Digiday and Stratechery and, you know, you hear about these other things and here's the how Bleacher Report did it and here's how the Athletic did it, whatever. The idea that as a media consumer or as a columnist or as an editor and as a guy who had to like swim in that stuff for the last three years, that I never heard of this thing is just... Baffling to I, me. I don't like that you said mm-hmm. swim in this stuff. I think the term is play in this space. Oh, I, 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 space. I I'm trying to weed myself that. that. You, pl- you were playing in the space. Are you playing in the space? No, 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 no. Just true story. When I was in the middle of all the raising the money thing, I'm in the kitchen, and we're talking about something, and I said something along the lines of, yeah, he's really outward facing in the podcast space. My wife stopped washing the dishes, turned around, and said, what have you become? 
She is the greatest <laughs> person on earth. That is the and best. And you turned to her and you said, I don't know I anymore. Have, I, I don't know I, anymore. I have known the fair Jessica now, I believe, for 25 years, maybe yeah. longer than 25 years. She is, a, longer, maybe. she is a she is a, uh, a valiant woman whose price is beyond rubies, but this story has <laughs> cemented her in my mind as perhaps the greatest American of our time. What really? have you become? I, on the other hand, think she just doesn't get it. This is what business needs. Um, I will say two things. One, in re that, I just want to remind listeners of uh, of Glop and also potential investors in Ricochet that my um, my maternal grandmother was from Mexico. She was Mexican. <laughs> I just I don't know why sort I feel like the need to say that, but I really, I uh, yeah, I, well, I need I need that. I need that to be known, um, but then also I'd say like it, the, the 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 irony here is that you know the smartest people in the room are always Goldman Sachs, Goldman Sachs. Smartest people in the room are always McKinsey. This is the smartest people in the room. They're always really smart. Um, what if they're not? Like what if what if they're just dumb? What if? Well, I mean, we also don't know dumb? whether they would have actually given. Invested the money, right? I mean, somebody, yeah, some grunt actually has to do the due diligence in the back room, and he might have been like, "No, what's hey, awful? Guys, look, here's what's awful. Some... Here's what here's what's un, uh, here's what's awful about this story. I mean, it's not awful. It's just There's nothing not, awful. About it's, it. no, it's no, but all it's, good. It's, 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 it's fun. No, but it's also it's a brilliant idea yeah. because. He's just he wants to be a star and he's gonna have someone right. else pay for it. Right. And once you're a star, it doesn't right. matter. It's, it's but, all upside, like over the counter right. taint all. I mean, but, there's but, just no downside to it. Yeah, well no. that's not don't don't wait for it's that. It's not awful, but it's comic in this sense, which is that Jonah and Steve went out to raise money to start the dispatch. And you know, it's hard and you're going around and you're not asking for in these terms, oh well, you weren't you didn't go to Goldman Sachs and ask for forty million dollars as a no, third or like fourth that. round or something like right. that. And you know, Sometimes these experiences, and I have to raise money as a nonprofit. Commentary is a nonprofit. You know, it's like it's like drawing blood from a stone. You have to you have to go to people. You have to talk. You have to sell yourself, and you have to do this, and you have to do that, and you have to make arguments about why what you're doing is important. And in some cases, I mean, it's, I don't have to make the argument that I'm going to make money, which I'm sure Jonah and Steve did, which is a you know, which which is a hoist of a different kind. But um, on the one hand, like. This is very difficult, and, it, and, it's, and it's, it's drawn out and hard and anxiety-provoking and all of that. And then you have these other levels where these people start these companies and these businesses, and out of nowhere, suddenly their valuation yeah. is $400 million, and people are buying them for $50 million or putting this in and putting that in. And I am not sure that they have any more cultural penetration than the dispatch does or Ricochet does or commentary does. And it's I, I it, it, this is a, a weird yeah. fact about American life now that um, uh, the only people getting penetrated are the investors. <laughs> <huh>? Hey, <laughs> and you know what happens? But you know, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we've had a lot of fun with restless anal syndrome. But uh, you know, go ahead. anyway, it's just an interesting right. phenomenon. It's like we're aiming too low. We made a mistake, Joe. We're all aiming too low. What we should be doing is going around saying we need. Two hundred million dollars, mm-hmm. instead of you know, like what are we doing? Like these guys know something we don't know because they're maybe they're shysters. I mean, the Hill just sold for like a hundred and fifty million or something like that. And the Hill yeah. is to Germans. I'll be very clear to Germans. It's garbage to Germans. We are already owning the politicals since two weeks. 
Yeah, I know, know the Germans make mistakes, but that's why pencils have erasers. <laughs> Sorry, it's a Simpsons line. <laughs> it's a great line. Anyway, we should. This, this is this has been going on forever, and I could go on forever. But um, that's what she said. Um, uh, yeah, uh, that's what. Yes, and uh, that's that's what the gentleman with restless anal syndrome said. Uh, yeah, and tell <laughs> And now he's uh, now he's like taking his daughter to the park. And yes, do not take Tainterol if you are allergic. Tainterol. Get your life back. Now the deep state wants to put it in the water. (laughs) See you guys. Sometimes I feel I've got to run away. I've got to get away from the pain you drive into the heart of me. The love we share seems to go nowhere. And I've lost my light For I toss and turn I can't sleep at night Once I ran from you Now I run from you This tainted love you've given I give you all a boy could give you Take my tears and that's not it Oh, tainted love Tainted love Join the conversation. Please, I cannot stand the way you tease. I love you though you hurt me so. Now I'm gonna pack my things and go. Where am I supposed to move it? Me. 